welcome to the second episode of Retro Game Audio. My name is Patrick. Hey, and I'm Steve. And uh, what are we talking about today, Steve? Well, we're going to talk about YY World, which is a game that's kind of a little unique. Um, so I'm really excited about this. Uh, it, Konami, you know, everyone knows the company Konami, uh, released a game that's kind of a mashup of all kinds of other sorts of games that they've actually uh, made mm-hmm. um, and kind of all the different styles and whatnot. So uh, this is kind of cool because it's kind of like remixes of tunes that have only came out like a couple years before this was actually done. Um, so it's it's kind of a really cool thing. And I think a lot of people here haven't heard it uh, simply because it didn't come out in the U.S. Yep. Yeah, and it's cool. Like you said, we're used to now hearing like remixes and covers of game music in like later iterations in a series, but it's not often that you hear like covers of NES music on the NES. So yeah, that's that's very unique, and I think that this is a very unique kind of situation uh, for that. I mean, it's it's really not. I don't. I can't think of another game series that really has like a great like massive lineup of things like this that are parodied and remixed. So. Yeah, so I'm looking here. It looks like the first YY World came out in 1988 for the Nintendo Famicom. Um, and there was also a second one, which we're also going to be talking about, which came out in 1991. And uh, apparently they've both been re-released as well. Like the first one was re-released for mobile phones in like 2006. And uh, YY World 2 was just recently re-released for the Wii U uh, virtual console, apparently. But uh, yeah, I think only in Japan, though, so... Yeah, we missed out. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think they would add it to the, like, international. I mean, I don't own a Wii U, so I'm assuming, uh, like, the online stores are region locked. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't think anyone in the States, uh, th- there's not really a market for the YY World games here because, you know, no one even had them here back in the day. Yeah, and, ha- and half of the games that they're actually referencing in there are games that weren't even available here, too. So it's, or, you know, or were under different titles or under, you know, different kinds right. of... Uh, you know, uh, I guess in, in some cases, copyright laws. So, um, and when we kind of get into the nitty gritty of it. Cool. Um, so yeah, I guess we should start off by taking a look at the first game then, YY World uh, 1, as we'll call it to differentiate it from the second one. Um, yeah, so this game has covers from the Ganberry Goman series, uh, Castlevania, Getsufu Madden, Goonies 2, King Kong 2, and uh, Contra. I think um, what was like interesting, and the, the out of the things that you probably said, and probably the audience would think right away, the first thing that's to kind of go towards would be the Castlevania stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of the most exciting uh, entry in here, uh, uh, you know, kind of just seeing our Castlevania stuff. So why don't we take a listen and see what uh, they kind of punched in for this. Let's quickly compare that to the original version of the track. So uh, as you can hear there, there were uh, some differences between the tracks. Um, nothing really major though. The YY World version has like some more vibrato added onto some of the notes. Uh, did you hear? Uh, did you pick up on any more differences, Steve? Yeah, it, it was kind of interesting. It was really funny because when I was first uh, doing the research for the project, I didn't think there were any differences. I was just like, did they just take it and did they just program them? You know, because like, I, I hadn't really listened to them side by side. Um, so I, I thought it was kind of funny, like I just assumed there wasn't, and I was looking at YY World 2 to kind of research. Um, but then I started, I, I actually listened to them back to back. I'm like, there are subtle differences. And yeah, there, there is definitely uh, in the pulse channels. Uh, I think there's kind of like more of a, like a, I guess like a pick approach kind of thing, kind of like a pluck, if you will, uh, to the original. Um, and a lot of the stuff kind of like in the wind up right before we kind of get to the repeat of the theme. 
um, kind of uh, it's like longer, longer notes and more sustained. I think that's kind of interesting. And you'll kind of see that that's maybe what they were leaning towards doing when they put these in here. And I'm not sure if that's. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that's pretty indicative of this whole soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it covers other tunes and there's slight variations. And it seems to me like because they didn't make major changes, uh, it wasn't meant to be like this elaborate rearrangement process. Uh, I sort of get the impression that they were trying to do relatively straightforward covers, um, but they didn't worry about getting all of the details to line up one to one. You know, maybe they had a slightly different sound engine or, you know, just as they were retransposing it, you know, copying the data in, they came up with slightly different instruments. I, I think um, that, yeah, I think that that's exactly yeah. what happened. And you know, what's really great about it too, and just kind of like they, you know, they put capable hands on this. Like I think of a lot of different games where like it's ported from, you know, Super Nintendo Genesis and like the notes are different and things are not right, you know? Um, right. And, and like, and that's something that's kind of a major problem in porting, like even just a game from Master System to Oh Sega. God, actually, Ugh. yeah, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but yeah, Castlevania, uh, this is a perfect example. There's the Amiga port oh, of Castlevania God. 1, <laughs> no. and the music in that is god-awful. Yeah. It's it's really bad. And it's, it just shows you, though, that, that this means, in my opinion, this was definitely handled in-house, and they definitely took this seriously enough to make sure that like the right hands were on this to make sure everything was accurate. Um, and I think, yeah, that, absolutely. I mean, it, it isn't like today where you could just cop, uh, copy and paste this. This had to be reprogrammed at some level. Um, and so I think that that's kind of what happened here. So I think that was kind of, you know, it kind of shows that they cared. Um, and mm-hmm. it, just by the accuracy, which is really funny to think about that accuracy means you cared, but um, they put that extra effort in. So I think that that's kind of a, a theme you'll see throughout all of this. Oh, absolutely. Let's give a listen to the uh, next Castlevania track. It's uh, Black Knight. So I think the uh, the biggest difference there is uh, in the triangle wave, um, the very like last descending note part. Uh, in the original, it's just like do 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 some sort of rhythm like that. But in the rearranged version, it does this very repeated staccato sort of pattern. So that's like sort of the furthest they stray, I think, from the originals where they they did stay pretty note for note for the most part in most of these uh, transcriptions, but uh, yeah, they do make some small changes like that. That that was definitely noticeable. And I thought that, I think like in terms of all of the ones that are on here, that was one of, I think that is one of the ones that's the most different. And it's not like, oh man, it's so different, it, mm-hmm. but, it, but it's just like a different shape. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's nice to hear a slight variation. So let's do a similar comparison for the tracks from Contra.
Yeah, so similar to Castlevania, there's not really any major changes to be found. Uh, is there anything you notice in that track, Steve? Um, I'm I just like, yeah, I think that it's, again, we're just looking at kind of like a faithful cover. And I, like, I feel yeah. like, uh, you know, a, a couple years of a difference, I guess, Contra being, you know, obviously before this, um, and just kind of like the engine and just kind of, it sounded like a more mature engine, I guess, to me. And it sounds like that mm-hmm. there's certain things that they've kind of decided that they like to use here. Um, even the triangle, just like the way that it attacks is different and the way that it ends and tapers is just a little different. Um, so I think that, that it just showed, uh, you know, very careful uh, attention to those details uh, was kind of, they kind of paid off on the fact that like, you know, they are kind of getting better at using this kind of thing in 1988 than, you know, going back to like 86 or 87 when a lot of this stuff was made. So Right, definitely. Um, so I also wanted to play some music from Getsufu Madden. Um, a pretty cool uh, Famicom side-scrolling action platformer. Uh, here's the original of that track. And yeah, you know, apart from that track uh, having an introduction in the original that the YY World version uh, doesn't have, I mean, this is pretty much how it goes throughout the whole soundtrack. There's, uh, you know, just pretty straightforward covers. Uh, Steve, did you have any, like, specific examples of sound design you wanted to pick out? Yeah, actually, I, I thought something that was really interesting. So one of the uh, characters that included is Kong, as in, not like Donkey Kong, but King Kong. Um, so Kong, Kong is in the game, and there's two tracks from that in here. Um, the boss theme is kind of interesting, um, and it's a good way to kind of show... I think in the last episode, I kind of mentioned that there's, a, you know, the GPCM, or the very simple kind of way of adding samples to the Nintendo. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't something that was necessarily employed by a lot of the different uh, companies. Uh, Capcom, for example, doesn't use it, um, as far as right. I know. Um, but Konami uses it, and I mean, like, a lot of, like, the games that you find iconic, like Turtle uh, to the arcade game or uh, you know uh, Turtles 3 the Manhattan Project like that has that very particular kind of drum set that's like Konami's signature Oh, absolutely. I think, like, the the only Konami games to not have it are probably, like, the earliest NES ones. Like, I, like Castlevania 1 doesn't have any DPCM, but, like, you get past a certain year, and, like, at the very least, they all have, like, a bass drum sample. It, it's exactly right, and it's funny, because when I was doing some of the research for this, I was listening to a lot of these tracks, and a lot of these tracks don't have, I mean, the originals don't have any DPCM. I don't think any of the, most of the games that are in here don't, uh, don't have any DPCM. And I listened to a lot of the really, really early stuff, too, to just kind of get a general idea of, like, kind of the evolution of things from here like the 85 and 86 konami stuff so it's clear that like once you get to about 88 you're going to start putting the dpcm in here uh, and what konami does is they kind of do and for lack of a better term they kind of flash the channel a little bit uh, it's kind of you use a, if you were using family tracker and for any of you guys out there who write your own nintendo music or are interested in doing this what it would be is actually when you insert a sample you use the z command um, and some people talk there's all kinds of stuff resources about that the basic thing i want to say though is that the z command kind of creates this popping noise it's like a channel click and it's referred to it some some games even use a channel click with no sample just to make a click you know and that's actually right. part of the drum i think i found one example in final fantasy 3 for the super famicom or not super famicom just regular famicom of course yeah yeah uh, yeah, because I remember, like, hearing a popping sound, and I was trying to, like, extract the sample, mm-hmm. and then, like, I the sample I pulled was, like, just one, like, bite or so, like, like, a really small file size that, like, wasn't an actual sample. There was, like, nothing there. So, yeah. Okay, so um, the track we're about to hear now is uh, I took out the two pulse channels, and you're just going to hear the triangle, 
you're going to hear the noise channel and you're going to hear the DPCM sample, which is just this very simple kick drum. Um, it's going to start out, I think the first like 15 seconds or so, without having the Z command on it or the little the channel click, and you'll hear it click in and you'll all of a sudden hear that like it makes a real like flicking noise. You'll also notice that it actually changes very slightly the volume of the triangle channel. So let's give that a listen. Yeah, yeah, you can hear that pop sound really click in there, and it gives it more of a punch. Yeah, it gives it more and oomph, I, yeah. And it, it almost sounds like annoying out of the context of the music. Like, it would sound like a bad thing, like you wouldn't want that there. Mm -hmm. But actually, when you when you put it all back together, um, you know, it, it gives it a nice sound, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think uh, there's also a handful of original tracks in this uh, game, though we're not entirely sure if we just failed to identify some of them. Uh, so what you're going to hear now is just a sort of quick medley or sampling of all the original tracks. And uh, yeah, if anyone recognizes these as belonging to other Konami games, uh, please uh, leave us a comment.
that pretty much covers YY World 1. Uh, Steve, do you think there's anything that we uh, missed in there? Um, just kind of, I, I thought it was funny, just like as an aside, like because we like to talk a little bit about the history things too. When this was re-released, um, the game includes also stuff from Goonies, uh, and Goonies 2 in particular is one track from it. Um, so you actually got to play as Mikey from the Goonies films or whatever, and you also got to play as Kong. And they were both two movie films that were kind of built into this. When this game was re-released, um, you know, I guess for uh, a mobile platform, they had to remove those two characters because they no longer had the oh. rights. So uh, it's interesting, yeah. So um, Kong, they replaced him with another kind of Konami character, uh, which is, let's see, I have it right here. Oh, yeah, they, with Penta from Antarctic Adventure. Um, which oh, is, that's funny. Yeah, which is really funny. Like, they, they at least replaced them with people who would make total sense. Um, and I'm trying to f figure out if I can remember who they replaced Mikey with. Oh, I guess this would be a good time to bring up uh, mention of the Hardcore Gaming 101 site. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's um, a great resource for this, yeah. Yeah, there's a really good resource with, that we're, we were looking back at. It has, like, the whole history and, like, explanation of what these games are exactly, because, uh, you know, we've, we've just been talking about the music. We haven't actually been playing, talking about how, like, how the levels play out. Uh, and, and whatnot. So there's a much better description of that uh, on that site. You should check it out. Oh uh, yes, and it's funny because I, I just t took a look at that to get this answer to this. Yeah, and they also replace it with Upa, from, uh, which is a character from Bio Miracle Buket Bukete Upa, I guess. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. I think I think it's like Bio Miracle Baby is what we would maybe call it or something. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really if you have if you've never played this game or heard about this game, it's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Cool, so I guess that uh, wraps up uh, YY World 1. Let's move on to the second soundtrack here. Uh, so this one sort of expands on the previous list of covers, although, you know, just for reasons just mentioned, uh, King Kong 2 and Goonies uh, were lost from this list. Um, but again, we'll see Ganbari Goman uh, with also Twinbee added on, Contra comes back, uh, Biomiracle Baby, or Biomiracle Bakute Upa, however you say that, um, Getsufu Madden is back, uh, Gradius is added on, Proteus Da is added on, uh, Castlevania's back, Castlevania 2 is added on, and also is uh, Quarth. Actually, I don't even know what Quarth is. Uh, have you played that game before? I actually have not. It, it's funny because I saw that and yeah. <laughs> oh man, we're, we're going to get some shit for that one. Some Quarth super fan is going to write in like, how dare you not know yeah. my favorite Konami game. I, I mean, I looked up a lot of these games too, and it's funny because like, um, one other thing, just kind of moving from one to two, is the formats of the games changed wildly. Yes. They're completely oh, yeah. different games. You could not confuse the two of them. Um, the, ver the first game, which I actually, uh, I was actually launched up by Famicom, and I was actually playing my copy of it, um, is um, slow. Um, <laughs> that's one way yeah. I would put it. Um, it's very challenging, um, and it's kind of like, for lack of a better term, and I know I'm going to get something for this, but it's kind of almost Metroidvania-esque. Um, and that's yeah. an action-adventure kind of game where you have to unlock things, and there can be some almost some level of grinding to it, um, which can kind of... I don't know, have you played the game before? Uh, I played a little bit of it like a long time ago, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, it's definitely... I mean, it's definitely difficult. I mean, I played it for about 25 minutes. I, you know, I beat a couple... I, I didn't... What did I unlock? I was reading some strategy guide and trying to figure out what to do. But it's very punishing. It's a very punishing mm -hmm. game. And Hardcore Gaming uh, uh, 101 gives a good example of why it's punishing. Um, <laughs> so you can, t you can check that out on theirs, too. He has a really... Or they have a really great breakdown of just kind of all the kinds of issues that the, the, uh, the first game really had. Um, the, the one major problem with the first game, honestly, is the hitbox. Um, and it is very bad. Um, and I know that that's, and even I, when I was playing it, it was like, you know, you ever play a bad platformer and like, you're like, how did I get hit by that? Yeah, it's, oh, it's that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. And then you like swing at someone and you miss and you're like, wait, I know I hit him. Um, so <laughs> it gets, it gets a little hairy there. And that's something, especially in a game that's kind of almost as punishing as this game is in its own way. Um, it, it's, uh, it's very difficult. You know, it, yeah, it, and the, the, mm -hmm. from my understanding too, the second one is a bit more straightforward, more polished. Where, you know, you'll have like you'll jump into the contra level and it's an action platformy thing. Then you'll go to another level and it's like a shooter section. So the second one is like a more stitched together, like uh, like it feels like a Konami like special happy hour. Yeah, kind I of mean thing. it's interesting too because the first game kind of uses the same sprites as the characters, for, for, uh, uh, more or less. And the third game, or the second game, I'm sorry, uh, uses like their own like kind of chibi style sprites. 
uh, for yeah. all the characters. Um, you also can't play as all the characters. You have to select a group of three characters that you want to play as. Uh, and you play, and instead of playing as the, the two main protagonists of the first game, you play as something that's uh, as Hardcore Gaming 101 kind of says is curiously like Mega Man uh, that can transform into <laughs> other characters. Um, I can tell you that's one thing. I, I mean, I played YY World 2. I've played about half an hour of it, and I probably got about halfway through the game as far as I'm, uh, I know. Um, the pacing is really slow. The very first stage is a, it's an auto-scroll stage of all things, but the auto-scroll is so painfully slow. Oh. It like <laughs> There's like very few enemies that come on there, and you're just like waiting for something to happen. And it's one of the worst parts that, that happens is eventually you get to these elevator lifts, and you have to wait for it to scroll until it's in the middle of the screen so the elevator will go up and you're just waiting there. It seems like it takes like 20, 30 seconds. It's so, it's so frustrating. Um, it's awful. You know, and like maybe it's just like we're so used to kind of action packed games. But I thought from a game design perspective, that was just really funny. Like you're just like I can't think of a game where I'm just standing there, you know, like not doing anything. <laughs> um, and even the first game uh, doesn't really have a lot of that. It's a lot of tricky and annoying platforming, but I don't remember it like standing there. The action though is a lot more interesting in two, and so is the soundtrack. Is a good segue. Um, so <laughs> let's start where we started with the first one. Let's take a look at the Castlevania music they have here. Cool. That's the cover of Vampire Killer, um, but you can you can see in this track they're already putting more hair into you know how it's represented because it takes a part of a different Castlevania song called Stalker uh, and opens up with it. Um, so they're already showing signs of thinking outside the box a little bit, uh, not just doing straightforward covers anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, it, it's it was really cool. Like when we were kind of coming up our ideas for the whole podcast, that was the one thing that I remembered that particular track. Uh, and how shocked I was when I first heard it. Like I was kind of, I was very shocked when I heard the opening to Kid Dracula as well. Um, but you mm -hmm. know that kind of like happy version of it. And I think this is another weird like oddball kind of uh, Konami thing where it's like mixed meter versions of a song you already know. So it, what's interesting is this game did come out in 1991, and it, we have to remember that the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis are already out. I mean, the Sega Genesis has been out for three years at this point. Um, so the, it was re reaching heavy competition. What's really interesting about the games that are kind of like after 89 or 90 is there was a lot more kind of experimentation. Uh, people had, like, if you think about this, people were already writing music for this system for about five years uh, and using a chip for about five years. And like even with like when we talk about Game Boy music, the Game Boy existed for such a long time that so many crazy techniques were developed over the years. Um, oh, yeah. There's not many like, it, you know, today we kind of, you know, it's all kind of pre-recorded or whatever. But the fact that it had some kind of level of longevity meant that people could come up with a lot of tricks. So when you hear something like, you know, the remix of Vampire Killer, there's all kinds of new tricks in there that weren't there when the Vampire Killer was originally written. Um, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you listen to just some of the DPCM tricks and some of the different kinds of drum samples. It starts to sound more like what you'd expect from Konami in this era, you know, uh, you know, I guess after uh, Turtles 2, the arcade game, you know, kind of going towards the Manhattan Project, some of those late era uh, Nintendo games. And so you kind of start to hear that, like, they're getting really good at this now, you know, and I, I think that oh, that's yeah. what's really cool about this. Yeah. Cool. Let's take a listen to the next Castlevania track. Actually, this one's from Castlevania 2. It's uh, Bloody Tears.
how towards the end of that track there it gets playful with the vibratos like it sort of pitches up to these notes that it uh like sustains on and does a vibrato that's you know that's not in the original yeah and, and you know what's really interesting about that track too that I, I wanted to point out that's like the third time they had to remix that basically right oh yeah yeah because like the original one had that delightful fds channel uh, yeah, which, it, which we we should clarify for the listeners because we've talked about this before off podcast. But um, yeah, basically we both agree that the original version of Castlevania Two had a pretty terrible soundtrack or pretty terribly executed soundtrack, I should say, mm-hmm. um, because the version we had in the states uh, didn't have an extra channel of sound expansion and came out a bunch of months later. Um, they actually had time to polish the soundtrack and make it nice and you know they did a really good job with the sound design in the version of the game we had uh the original version though on the famicom disc system just has terrible sound design there's some really there's bad. some like i mean and like the fds channel is such a great idea uh you know and we'll probably have a, a show just talking about this but the fds channel is such a great idea and the execution of it was very rarely good um and so uh, it's interesting so that means it was done for fds then it was mixed or like mixed down to be on just 2a03 or just our regular nintendo and then it was remixed again for this um yeah so it, it's kind of cool there's like actually three versions of that song yeah it's crazy and uh, we've got one more version of that um black knight like final uh, boss tune here Yeah, it's, it's funny hearing all of the extra sounds they added into that. No, it, it's crazy. And, like, if you think back to, like, the very original and just kind of the simplicity of it, you know, they're, they're, they're being a lot more playful with it. And I think I think you said that earlier. That's a very, like, uh, that's a great way to describe a lot of these remixes. They're playful. They're, they're, they're trying to add some brightness to it. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and you'll hear, uh, I guess we can segue over to the Contra tracks because these are oh, they're awesome. fantastic. Yeah. And you're going to hear more of that playfulness. Um Here's their their YY World 2 version of Contra Jungle theme. There's so there's so many different things they do with it, from like minor sections being in major key, to just kind of like different feels from extra voices. Like I think there's like a complete extra voice towards the end of it. It's just it's just great. I mean, and I, I we've been listening to the soundtrack probably you know to, to get through here. That's like one of my favorites of on both of them. It, it's so oh awesome. definitely yeah. Yeah, I love, like, in the first section, too, there's, like, added fills. Like, there might be, like, 16th note triplet sort of parts added in, mm-hmm. like, like faster note runs that aren't there in the original, and, yeah, all that's very cool. No, it's awesome, yeah. Like that. And uh, here's the uh, Aliens Lair remix. just so many little like flares and details added into the sound i mean i guess that's uh you know we've heard that in the last several tracks as well but um i love how they sort of keep that up throughout the soundtrack where the sound design is just more intricate throughout yeah again it's not just like and this is the difference between one and 
you know, two, I guess, obviously for YY is that two, they were really uh, like on a mission to make these things like a different version. Um, and you can tell that like they spent time on it and whoever programmed this actually had a real fun time doing it. Uh, you know, like when they went back and kind of looked at everything. So and it, it shows, I mean, the, the playfulness is, I think that's a great word for the, the soundtrack. It's just really playful. Yeah. In fact, I have a few more examples. Um, I want to pick out, uh, cause we're not going to play every remix on here, but, um, there's a few examples from uh, Gradius I find interesting because oh, yeah. mm-hmm. the original versions of Gradius are very simplistic. Yeah, We're talking like, you know, more simple than the original Castlevania in sound design. Uh, in fact, like one of them I think is kind of like the, they may even got the timing wrong in the original. Like they made mistakes when they oh, wow. tracked out the original possibly. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play the original first uh, this time and then play the uh, YY World 2 version afterwards. Strange, but uh, and here's the uh, remix here. First of all, it's cool because like the original track has all that high triangle work, but just like it's like light years better, you know, in, in terms yeah. of what's actually going through there. And I mean, you know, it, it's kind of an iconic game too. Um, so and it gets a lot of treatment, obviously, because there's all there's actually like other versions, of, like if you will, parodies, if you know, as I allude to it, right, uh, of, of this <laughs> game. Um, so it just kind of having like a really kind of like definitive version of it that kind of just like tightens some of that original sound and kind of puts everything where it's supposed to be as opposed to, it really did sound like an error in that first track <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> at the end of that phrase. Oh, ab- absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, um, to sort of break the trend here a little bit though, there is one track I found that is a bit simpler than the original in some ways. Um, this track is from Biomiracle Bakute Uppa, uh, the original version, it was for the Famicom Disk System, which had an extra uh, channel of audio, uh, of wavetable synthesis. And because it has that extra voice in the original, it freed up one of the square wave channels, and they got to do a drum sound in it, this percussive sort of uh, tom-like sound in it. Um, so yeah, let's give a listen to the original here. Steve was, you know, and I were talking about earlier about how the Famicom Disk System uh, wasn't well utilized uh, in terms of its extra audio for a lot of the games, but uh, that arrangement there is actually pretty cool. Um, the YY World 2 version of this, uh, loses that drum part um, because it doesn't have the extra channel to work with. Even without that, that extra voice, I think it, the remake sounds a little bit cleaner overall. Um, so it's not like a total step down in quality just because it's losing that one voice. But uh, it is interesting to hear one track that's more of a demake uh, than the rest are, so to speak. And so uh, there are some more covers and remixes in the soundtrack, but we wanted to take a closer look at some of the original tracks and the uh, sound design in them.
so there were two sounds in that uh, song that I wanted to point out because I thought they were kind of interesting. Um, it's an effect where they switch duty cycles, where in the square wave channel, they start with one voice uh, when a note attacks, and then it quickly switches to another to sustain on. Uh, let's listen to that again. That right there is like a really nice clean example of that effect. And um, I have another example here of that same part slowed down. Uh, so you can really hear like how it starts with one sound and then switches to another. So that's just uh, sort of one of the tricks you can use when you're um, making music for the NES to get a plucky sound out of it. Um, and the other example I pulled aside is that one weird, like, uh, vibrato sound. Uh, here, I'll just give it a play here. <laughs> it's just a short, kind of funny sound. Uh, I don't know, it's, a sort of, it's a cute, weird sound. And uh, if you slow it down, though, it sounds really strange. It's just uh, to sort of get that trill sound, you know, they're alternating notes quickly, but there's also, like, a vibrato slapped onto it, and they do it really fast. So that's how you get this weird, pitch-bendy trill vibrato effect and i just think it's pretty cool yeah it reminds me i think there's a sound similar to that and uh turtles three the manhattan project that they kind of use that kind of sound effect in there kind of uh and it, I, it's it, it's funny to hear it here again um but it, it's such yeah like what they did to make that just i mean think about we were just listening to the you know the original yy there was nothing like that in there um what a difference three years makes you know <laughs> oh absolutely and uh here's another track i want to single out for an effect in it So in that section there towards the end, uh, there's a really good example of uh, two-channel echo effect where you have these two voices playing and you just copy and paste one of those voices basically and just de-amplify and have it start a little late. Uh, so it's a little behind in time and it's a little bit softer and it creates a nice echo effect. And you know, it's a very common way to do the echo effect. Um, let's give a listen to that uh, sort of isolated uh, here. first voice didn't have that behind it it wouldn't sound uh, echoey so so this uh, next track uh, this is more of an example of an artifact than an intended sound effect uh, it has a vibrato effect that makes a weird clicky sound uh, see if you can uh, pick that out So yeah, it was that last uh, vibrato in the descending set of vibratos here. Um, let's give that a closer listen. So yeah, by itself, that vibrato sounds pretty ugly. You hear this gross sort of clicky sound on it. And um, I don't know the exact technical reason for why that happens. Uh, it's some sort of programming limitation. Um, but in our first episode, we talked about Neil Baldwin and the Magician soundtrack and uh, how he has his website, Duty Cycle Generator, where he talks about you know his history of working with the NES, and he actually encountered the same problem. So here's what he had to say. If you listen carefully to some of the longer notes with vibrato, you can sometimes hear a little bit of cyclic clicking. This was a side effect of the way I programmed the vibrato. On the audio processing unit, writing to the register that has the upper three bits of the frequency setting causes an audible click. This is because if you're using the hardware envelopes, it's this register you write to to initialize the envelope. This is not so bad at the start of a note where it's hardly noticed, but because the APU is being written to every frame in my audio driver, I would only write this register when absolutely necessary. Therefore, because the vibrato programming is making small cyclic adjustments to the lower eight bits of the frequency setting, most of the time it's not necessary to write the upper three bits. However, if and when you add a value to the lower 8 bits, it causes an overflow and therefore a requirement to 
increased or decreased the upper three bits. And this meant that the upper three bits register had to be written, causing a cyclic click in the voice output. Uh, Steve, did you catch all that? Yeah, yeah, uh, I was following. I was following along, yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, yeah, all I got out of that was basically uh, this uh, overflow uh, that causes a clicking sound on the vibrato. So, um, of course, you know, Neil Baldwin didn't work with Konami. Uh, he can't speak for the exact, you know, uh, sound driver that they had, uh, but it's it's the same problem. You can hear it in other soundtracks as well. Um, I don't have any coming to mind outside of what you just heard in Neil Baldwin's tracks, but I know that you can hear it uh, in vibrato throughout uh, other NES tunes. So it's sort of like a universal problem that yeah. uh, people have to deal with. I mean, if you guys know any other ones, we'd love to hear uh, some other examples too. It'd be really cool to collect a, a nice group of those. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think I just had uh, one last uh, example from the original tracks here to pick out. Let's give that a listen. So, like, when that main melody kicks in there, each time it attacks as this weird, rapid trill uh, of some sort. Let's give that a closer listen. You can hear at the beginning of each phrase there this sort of stuttery sound and it's a really simple effect all they're doing is just shutting off the volume in very short spurts as the note sustains um, when you listen to it slowed down you can get a better idea of how exactly they implemented that It's so like slow down there. It almost sounds like a triplet sort of part there. But once you once you put it all together, it's like this really fast, uh, weird. I don't know how to call that sound exactly. It's a weird thing to because you don't really hear that in normal music otherwise. That sort I, of sound. I, I was gonna so. say it kind of reminds me of like Wubs from like dubstep or something. Like... <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that that wow. boss theme too. Just kind of like thinking about because like, I was just playing the game. You fight a samurai on a pogo stick. <laughs> and so like and then you listen to that track and it's like that makes perfect sense this is the samurai pogo stick fight um <laughs> that is a weird level there's like sumo wrestlers like dancing around like ballerinas and um yeah i mean there's a lot i think there's a little bit more of a sense of humor to this one uh, to this entry too and i think the tracks right. are kind of just a little bit madcap like that too so um there's a lot of good stuff like that yeah absolutely um, so yeah, I think that concludes like the sort of examples, sound examples I want to pick apart there. Um, like we did for YY World 1, we're going to play a medley of like the rest of the original tracks. Because uh, again, we're not totally sure, you know, we tried to do our homework on this, but um, if there's anything in here you recognize as belonging to another Konami game, please let us know.
so that uh, wraps up the YY World soundtracks. Um, yeah, Steve and I thought it would be an interesting choice. It was Steve's pick this week, but uh, you know, I'd, I'd heard the soundtrack before as well, um, like a long time ago. And uh, yeah, I think what attracted Steve and I to it again was the fact that you hear like these rearrangements of songs you're already familiar with. So uh, we hope it was new to a lot of the listeners, um, or even if it wasn't, hopefully we could have provided some uh, insight on the sound design as well. So it was definitely one of those soundtracks that I just kind of remembered, you know. And it was just it was one of those things where I was like when we started doing this, I'm like, oh, that's what we have to talk about. Like that was definitely on the list for me. And so I really hope that there's some stuff in here that, like, especially technique-wise, that was really cool. But if you haven't heard this stuff, uh, I'm I'm hoping, you know, you were just as kind of, like, blown away by it, like, as I was the first time I heard it, so. Cool. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, no problem. So now it's the time for questions and comments. Um, yeah, thanks everyone who left feedback after our first episode. Uh, you know, it's, it's very encouraging. You know, I feel like Steve and I agreed in advance we wanted to do this no matter what, uh, sort of regardless if there was any feedback of any kind. But, um, you know, we had a bunch of people write in. So, uh, yeah, thank you for doing that. Yeah, we really um, appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, first comment comes from Joshua. He says, congrats, guys, on an inaugural episode. I've always been a fan of video game music across the board, but haven't really thought of it from a composer slash inspiration slash technique standpoint. What a great way to be introduced to games and soundtracks I'm not familiar with. Especially love the technical voice breakdown highlights to show off the tricks of the trade and layering. Can't wait to hear more. Thanks, Josh. Breaking things down into like their individual parts is how I learned uh, a lot about, or how I learned pretty much everything about uh, how this stuff works. So uh, I'm happy to be able to share that with the uh, listeners. Yeah, so the, uh, the next comment that I see here, I'll go with Super Stranger here, and he says, man, these techniques are pretty ahead of its time, an impressive precursor to modern chiptune styles. And again, yeah, I mean, when we were talking about Neil Baldwin last week, it, they are. Um, and it's interesting that you bring up modern chiptune uh, in, in that comment. It's, it, it's it, you know, a lot of what's here is what kind of people who are making the modern chiptune styles are trying to emulate or try to find. And obviously we have better tools. I mean, like Neil Baldwin built his own, uh, <laughs> as we said last week. Um, and I'm sure Konami had people working on it. I'm pretty sure Meizawa, uh, yeah, Hidenori Meizawa was one of the bigger proponents of that um, uh, for Konami. Um, so, you know, we have Family Tracker, which kind of does it, or LSDJ, or you know, what have you, tracker programs, uh, and they kind of had to, you know, use a simpler techniques. So the reason that our techniques and a lot of the commands that we have that are there uh, that are in Family Tracker or whatever is because guys like Baldwin did those things. So how can we make a command to do something that other guys did. So it, it, I'm glad that you kind of picked up on that. So thanks for the comment. Uh, next comment comes from Hun Retro Geek. He says, in this track, you can hear how the triangle's channel volume is wobbling a bit due to the DPCM samples. I've written a sound engine for the NES, which could always play dummy samples to get a full and reduced volume on the triangle channel. As a byproduct, this also affects the noise. So it's only really useful for non-gameplay music. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, we were talking before. I remember you mentioned that you had gotten some samples to uh, make the triangle like almost inaudible, and uh, so it sounds like he had written his own engine to sort of uh, exploit that trick. Oh no, so, that's cool. To give him, yeah, to give him control over the triangle volume. That's that's really clever. That's uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And so we also got a tweet from Jeremy Greer. He's a friend of mine from the Dark Souls community, and he wanted to know what our favorite NES soundtracks are. Uh, I guess I'll start. Yeah, go uh, for it. Yeah, favorite ones I can think of. There's a lot of them, so I'm probably going to forget some. But, um, of course, in addition to Magician, there's uh, Castlevania 3, Ninja Gaiden 2, uh, Zelda 2. Um, oh, geez, what else? Uh, Journey to Cilius, uh Maniac Mansion. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, that's a real yeah. good one. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm like kind of drawing a blank here. Uh, Steve, I'll switch over to you while I So yeah, think I of would more. say Castlevania 3 and uh, Akumaju uh, Densetsu, the the Japanese version, obviously the VRC6. Even though it's a little loud, I know, but I, I love I love that. That's one of the things that really drew me into chip music, and almost everything that I write has VRC6 simply because of that. Um, I like. Let's see. I had a couple others while you were talking, and I forgot. Oh, you know what's a great series? Captain Tsubasa has some really oh you know i don't i don't really know those actually oh they're great yeah um and they were also... what company do that? you know what company made them uh they were done by uh tecmo tecmo i believe it was tecmo because they were released under different titles here 
Um, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Keiji Yamagishi was the composer for some of those. So oh, cool. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I I'm sure I've like clicked through the NSFs before because I've done like a lot of digging through Nintendo soundtracks. So. Yeah. I, I know that I'm familiar with the titles of the game, but I can't can't picture any of their music off. Yeah, no, head, they, so. it's they're cinematic and they're really cool. Um, it's definitely that's definitely one of the ones that kind of comes to my mind. Uh, Ninja Gaiden, obviously, and Ninja Gaiden Two. Oh, um, I love Ninja Gaiden Two in particular. Yeah, that's that's one of my top soundtracks for I, sure. I would. Yeah, I'm probably gonna get hate mail for this, but Mega Man Three. I really love Mega Man Three. Oh no no <laughs> everyone everyone no wait man everyone I know there's like the Mega Man Two versus Mega Man Three war, but like yeah. uh. Yeah, everyone has their own favorite Mega Man soundtrack. I think two through four would probably be my favorite three Mega Man I, soundtracks. Yeah, I, I think I think you could probably draw from there. And I think four is a little underrated. I like as a kid, that was like one of the ones that I actually owned. It didn't have to rent every week. Um, so four, I, I've always had kind of a soft spot for four. Right, but there, I mean, there's great tracks in one, five, and six as well. So yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and the list. Oh, I, I guess I could go on. Like Treasure Master is an oh, amazing that, soundtrack. Uh, I've said it a bunch of times. Uh, Turtles Three Manhattan Project is probably that, yeah. that's probably my number one to be honest with you there's like that is like so out of control so many samples and stuff i i probably say that like i literally i I think i ran down it about on twitter like maybe once a week or something about how good that soundtrack is so that's probably my number one i'd say and another one i really like is the wolverine soundtrack i haven't heard that Uh, actually oh it's fantastic i think it's jeff fallen oh Um, okay because okay. I, I know there's like there's the Fallen Brothers and Tim Fallen is like uh, you know who did more composing out of uh, the two of them, and I think some games they're co-credited, but I think for Wolverine only Jeff is credited, and um, it's a really neat soundtrack. Like that game is only ever brought up because of like how terrible it is. You know, it's like an angry video game nerd kind of game. Like uh, you know. Because uh, it's really not Similar a good to game. Sil- Silver Surfer, I guess, like that kind of Right, thing. right. Yeah. Uh, Silver Surfer is bri- is a is a better game than Wolverine. Um, <laughs> that is saying a lot. Wow. I mean, I don't think Silver Surfer is like terrible. I think it's just really hard. It's like yeah. a little too. Wolverine's like hard and crappy oh, and wow. annoying. And uh, I mean, I I, I played that game a lot. Uh, and yeah, it was it's pretty bad. But the mu- the music is awesome. Yeah, it's really, it really says good, Jeff so. Bolin here. I just looked it up on video game music preservation fund. So. Cool, awesome. So, uh, that sorry for the disorganized response, Jeremy. But uh, yeah, we're just trying to think of. Uh, there's just so many, you know, and like there's I so think, many. I mean, I bet you if you if we were here for another 15 minutes, we'd come up with like infinite amounts. So I think those are the ones yeah. that are kind of fresh in our mind. So, so uh, I guess our last comment here actually comes from uh, the Chipwin group, where I posted the the podcast here. Uh, Colin uh, Spliff says, This is already interesting to me. I love to hear talk about the technical aspects of composition and sound design. Please keep making these. I'm happy to keep listening. Yeah, well, I mean, that's great. Thank you for your support and everything. And we are. I yeah. Mean, we have so many ideas and stuff. So. Oh, yeah. We're like, we have a hard time deciding what yeah. the next episode is going to be. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, next up is our Name That Game segment. Uh, before we show this week's choice, uh, let's take a listen to last week's song again. So that bit of music there was from Golvelius for the Sega Master System, and that was correctly guessed by Matt Porter. And so Matt is uh, someone I've known for a long time, and he is incredibly knowledgeable when it comes to video game music. Um, so I guess he's uh, the sort of competition for this segment. Uh, you should try and see if you can beat him to guessing uh, this next week's track. That or uh, maybe we can stump him. Maybe. Best luck to everyone with that track. Uh, Steve, do we have a closing song for this week? Yeah, actually, um, one of my favorite tracks, or it's just kind of like, it's, it's like a nice, like, cheesy, wonderful ending to, like, this, like, you know, like I said, kind of endearing, happy kind of uh, YY World 2, like the whole soundtrack. Um, and the ending theme, it would be a perfect ending theme for today's episode, I think. Cool. Excellent. Let's give that a listen. And thanks for listening to Retro Game Audio. 